Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about fanaticism, bad reasoning, and bad argumentation. And for today's example, we're not going to be using our traditional lens of Calvinism. Instead, we're going to be looking at an interaction I had with a King James onlyist, someone who believes that the King James Bible is the only Bible that you should use. It's the only preserved Word of God and all other Bibles. As he says here, they're they're evil and they teach a false doctrine, stuff like that. This, this is the guy's belief. And I see a lot of red flags in here for fanaticism. This is not to say that all King James onlyists are fanatics or are irrational. In fact, it's a respectable view in, in my in my view is that I could understand where they're coming from, and I don't fault them for their beliefs. And in fact, I don't argue with King James Onlyus very often. And uh, <laughs> this interaction came about from me just explaining my own views on which Bibles I use and the reasons why. So I set up a claim and I set up evidences. I said, this is what I believe, and here are the reasons I believe that. So if you're not a cultist, if you're not a fanatic, and you want to be rational, you want to be able to make a solid argument, if you want to be able to change my mind, you're going to actually have to address my claim and you're going to have to address my arguments. A fanatic will come in, not understand my position, not understand my claims, and just make counterclaims. They, they might not uh, be supported, even if they do support that. Maybe they make a counterclaim and they give support. So that doesn't necessarily mean my claim and my support is now wrong because they presented a counterclaim with their alternate support. They need to show why their claim is the more rational claim than mine. And you have to keep in mind the rules of argumentation, the rules of logic, uh, what bad reasoning is, what, what uh, logical fallacies are. You have to understand that uh, to be persuasive, you have to understand and be able to refute the view that you're critiquing. And a lot of people can't do this. A lot of fanatics, they can't put themselves in the mindset of their opponent. They can't put themselves in the mindset of their critic to understand accurately why their critic believes the position that the critic does. I was talking to Bob Enyart one day, and uh, he was leading Colorado Right to Life, which is a pro-life organization, and Planned Parenthood, the America's largest abortionist, uh, they would often send plants, uh, people to go infiltrate the organization, pretend to be pro-life. And the goal of these plants would be to try to figure out the protests and figure out what the organization is going to be doing and then feed that information to Planned Parenthood so Planned Parenthood would have a counter of this. They, they would be able to prepare for a protest or figure out the schedules so that they can act accordingly. Bob Enyard said the, that these plants were fairly easy to spot, at least the men. The men were able to spot them a lot better than the women. The women are like, oh no, that lady could never be a plant. And the men are like, yeah, she does. She, she's definitely she, 100%. Uh, no doubt that is a plant. And one of the tells was, you know, just the word usage that they use. If they talk about unborn babies and call them fetuses, if they uh, use the term pro-choice instead of something like pro-abort, yeah, they're, they're not in the mindset. They are not able to accurately emulate the people that they critique, and especially talking about abortion. Uh, just the, the other day, I was talking to an individual who said, oh, oh, these people are only against abortion because uh, they hate poor people and they hate women. It's like, really? Really, dude? It can't be that they think murder is horrible and uh, evil, right? That, that can't be the reason they oppose abortion. It must be because 
They hate poor people. They hate women, apparently. Apparently, women not being able to kill their own children is, is some sort of uh, anti-woman value. That uh, Oh, the women, go ahead. You want to kill your kids? Ah, go for it. Ah, it's a great thing to do. Uh, I'm pro-woman. Go, go kill your kid, right? But uh, th these people, they, they are stuck in a, a limited worldview. They're in a bubble world where they can't even project accurately the, the opinions, the ideas, the, the mentality of people who aren't in their circle. So these, this is signs of fanaticism, red flags for fanaticism where they cannot accurately emulate or even represent their opposition fanaticism. So if I have a video explaining what I believe and why I believe it, a rational, sane individual would say, well, if I want to counter what he believes, I'm going to have to accurately uh, undermine why he believes what he believes. So you, you pull out the base. You say, well, these reasons uh, would lead you, those evidences that you presented as not being as much of a, as evidence as you originally originally presented. Your evidence is bad, they don't lead to your conclusions, and your conclusion is false. And and by the way, I have a different conclusion, and here are my evidences for that conclusion. So you need to be able to address the evidences for someone's position, and then present a counter-narrative with an evidence position for your narrative. And this is interesting when it comes to the King James debate, because I, I don't know, <laughs> at least this fanatic, he doesn't have a counter-narrative. He doesn't have reasons to believe what he believes. And this is quite evident in his interaction with me. So he starts out like this, being a King James only believer, what would be your reasons for not believing that God had preserved his word in the King James Bible? So what he wants me to do is I presented what I believe and why I believe it. He wants me to present why what he believes, a very specific thing, is incorrect. So do I do, first of all, do I even care to convince this guy that his view is incorrect? I don't, I don't engage in the King James only debates. I, I don't, it's, it's a respectable opinion. If you want to believe that, go for it. Uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm just explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing. He wants me to convince him that his belief is not true. A belief that I think is ridiculous on the face value. So what if he came up to me and he said, what would be your reasons for not believing that God has preserved his word in the phone book? It's like, do I need, do I need reasons to believe that God hasn't preserved his word in the phone book? Is that something God needs to do is preserve his word? And uh, he thinks that not only has God preserved his word, that, that's claim one, but also that God preserved his word in the King James version that's a second claim. That's not obvious on the face value. And that uh, his third claim is that all, all the words are exact. So God preserved it not only in spirit, but exact wording in an English Bible written in 1611. And uh, oh, so why? Why? So I counter with this. I'm shifting the burden of proof. I'm saying I don't really need reasons. I think, in fact, that his, his belief is not falsifiable. His belief is completely special pleading. And so I counter with this. Why would I have to have a reason to think the preserved word is the, in the King James Version rather than the Korean Revised Version? So look at the frame shift going on here. I'm asking him a reason why his view 
is a rational view. And furthermore, on top of that, I, I add that he should talk about why it's not the Korean revised version because this forces him away from special pleading. Special pleading, of course, is applying unique conditions, why your specific ideas are true, that standards which don't apply to anything else, just your one thing. And so what this is forcing him to do is to figure out non-special pleading reasons why the King James is true and not the Korean revised version. This cuts down on a lot of just claiming it's true without any evidence. So it must be the King James version because look, it says King in there and then there's James and then the version, right? Is, 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 that a re is that a reason? I'm not saying that that was his reason, but special pleading is a fallacy. And I'm pointing out to him that a lot of his arguments are going to be special pleading and pointing that out off the bat is gonna cut down on special pleading as we go on. And so the, here's what he says here, because false Bible teaches false doctrine like Calvinism. Is that true though? Uh, that's another claim. So like do any Bibles teach Calvinism? I'm going to tell you, it's going to be pretty hard to read a third century theology into an ancient Semitic text. You're, it's going to be really hard to do that, especially even if you have the reins of translation. You have all the translators. You could uh, translate all the words of the Epic of Gilgamesh, of uh, the Enuma Elish. All the Calvinists are translating it to mean Calvinism. You're going to have a pretty difficult time because those ideas are not even conceptual concepts in that worldview. Uh, you're, you're going to struggle. And so even, even translating to English, you're going to have a hard time representing that translation as Calvinism. As we see in the Bible, this, the Bible, any version of the Bible, has a strong case to be made against Calvinism, any version, just because it was written in a Semitic mindset. So right off the bat, so right off the bat, his uh, first claim is questionable at best. Why do you think there are so many Christian denominations today, Fisher? So he says basically that apparently that there's a lot of denominations because there's a lot of Bible translations. As if that claim is true, more likely, more likely there's a wide diversity of human beings with different thoughts, desires, values, value sets. I just got finished reading The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Hyatt, and he talks about why why righteous people or why good good intention people differ so fundamentally on very very wide spectrums of morality. There's there's different people, so there's going to be different denominations. But what is he doing here? He's saying that apparently if King James was considered the only right version, then we wouldn't have denominations. And this means that uh, because if we didn't have denominations, that would point to the truthfulness of his King James versus others. Why, why is that different than the Korean revised version? Why can't we make these kind of claims if we all, all, all of us, all of us, we drop our other Bibles in the trash and we all pick up the Korean revised version, then apparently there's not going to be denominations. I, I don't know what's going on here. So the, look at the claims being made here. So no, number one, he doesn't address my claim. He doesn't address the evidence for my claim. He wants me to make a positive case against his claims. And uh, then he puts out these weird misleading red herring type questions with assumed answers that are totally off the wall. You're, you're hitting a bunch of red flags for 
fanaticism. He's not. He is not making a positive case for his claims or making a case against any of my claims or any of my evidence. Again, this is not to say that all King James onlyists are fanatics or are irrational. Just this one individual. We're, we're calling him Mr. H, by the way. So I changed his name just so, I don't know, for protection. I don't know if we protect people, but Mr. H is who we're calling this. So Mr. H says this, do you know the manuscript that the King James Bible translators used versus the Korean revised version? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Uh, I, he's not making any claims. He's not making any evidence. He doesn't even address my question back to him. That he, And he, again, again, He's not given me any standards or any positive case for his view. So who has the burden of evidence? Do I care what he believes? Do I care to convince him of something? Again, again, if he wants to convince me of something, it seems like this personal interaction, his goal is to convince me of his views. But he's not going to do that if he both ignores my claim and ignores my evidence and just puts these random questions that uh, seem like they seem like non sequiturs they have nothing to do with my belief and i don't think they support his belief in the slightest he follows up with this mr h says instead of reading james white's book and believing everything it says says about the king james bible you should do your own independent study and maybe you will learn the truth about textual criticism so look at his assumptions going on here he attributes to me motives uh, he attributes to me sources for my belief uh, he assumes that my belief is based in ignorance so has he shown any of that has he addressed my evidence has he addressed my claims he thinks that i'm reading james white i don't read james white books so let's pull up my kindle library and see how many james white books i have ah oh, here we go we got uh let's see counting i gotta maybe use two hands here all right um calculating one I got one James White book. It's The Potter's Freedom. And uh, specific sections of this I've read, and not all of it. The Kindle currently has me at 3%. Uh, 3% is probably accurate. Any listening to James White I do is in protest, in protest of James White. I don't like the man. I don't like giving him any of my money or giving him the time of day. A bad person. But regardless of all this, um, saying that uh, I'm getting everything from James White is not an argument. That's an ad hominem fallacy. You're attacking a person or a source rather than the content of what's being discussed. So even if, even if I got everything, I was just quoting James White, I've only read James White, I'm only presenting James White arguments, it's not an argument to say, you're just getting this all from James White. Go independently study. This is the funny thing. When you're talking to fanatics, they think that you're just ignorant and you just need to study more without giving you any sources or evidence or reasons why you're wrong. It's just this vague thing. You need to go study more. <laughs> All right, that, that's real helpful. That that will help me in my, my future pursuits, this vague study more claim. I don't know. So the, the study more claims fairly unimpressive for individuals who do not address your primary claims. So yeah, once in a while, you're going to run into someone who is vastly ignorant about the subject that they're speaking of. It's probably not even worth engaging with those people at that point, maybe pointing them to a resource or something and leaving it at that. Individuals who don't know what Plato taught, what Platonism is, what Neoplatonism is, and then they claim, oh, Christianity is not uh, based in Neoplatonism, right? Um, 
yeah, I, I'm probably just not going to engage with those individuals. They're so widely ignorant of the source material, of the scholarly position, that they're probably not even worth interacting with. They themselves are fanatics. You point them a couple of resources, the Hellenization of Christianity, Edwin Hatch, the Neoplatonists of Alexandria, uh, free resources that anyone can read that are widely available on the monotheism of Plato, on Platonism, the history of Platonism. These resources are out there. I could point to them. I could say why they're wrong. I could point them to resources. I could point them to scholarly opinions on it. It's not just this thing, oh, go study more. That's typically what fanatics say when they can't actually address arguments that are being presented. So in this conversation, I respond with this. What makes you think I've read or listened to anything James White has said on the topic? I've said no, I've I've listened to nothing James White has said on the topic of the King James. Everyone who always uh, they they criticize James White. They say, "Oh, he's really bad on Calvinism, but he's really good at the King James uh debate." Like, really? Really? I I'm skeptical, uh, but I'm not curious enough to find out if my skepticism is misplaced. I have zero interest, zero interest in listening to James White on any topic, uh, maybe for purposes of criticism, but I don't care about the King James controversy enough to listen to James White's opinion on it. And I, I respond with, is that an argument? It's not an argument. It's an ad hominem fallacy. Trying to discredit arguments based on the source rather than the content of that argument. Then I address his claims about him asking me about the, the textual basis of the Korean Revised Version. I say, it doesn't matter which version of the Korean Revised Version was translated from. Which Greek version or English version it was translated from. Does it matter? He hasn't provided me any evidence, any standards, any reasons why I should care about the King James Bible and not the Korean Revised Edition, right? He has, he has no differentiation and he's just throwing questions back at me as if, number one, I had the burden of proof to prove to him anything, or number two, as if his standards for infallibility or textual preservation are somehow magically universally evident that uh, it's just obvious on face value. So like fanatics will, will think that things are obvious on face value, which you clearly do not believe, and then they'll think that you should you should just intuitively accept their position. And so that that's a failure of understanding your critics, the people who disagree with you, their worldview. If you think that their worldview that they hold, which is obviously they don't hold, is intuitively false and just claiming it's intuitively false is meant to convince them that's false. This is fanaticism. So I. I keep responding because these uh, King James onlyists, they'll have a flurry of different Bible verses. And I say, I could just quote all your textual preservation verses and point to the Korean revised version. So like a lot of times people will turn to, oh, God's word will endure forever. And then somehow that means there's going to be a Bible of some sort. And it's going to contain not all of God's words because not all of God's words are contained in the Bible, but just some Key, key instances of God speaking are going to be retained in written format. Apparently, that's what these verses mean. And uh, also, that's in the King James Version rather than the Korean Revised Version. So this is the claim based on their weird proof text set that seems to me have absolutely nothing to do with a written Bible being preserved in concept or in word for all eternity. Doesn't seem to me that any of these verses at all have anything to do with that. 
massive assumption and imposition on the text. So I say, what arguments would you use against it? All his proof texts for the King James Bible being the preserved word of God. If I take all those proof texts and apply it to the Korean revised version, what argument would he have against the Korean revised version being it? So what are your standards, buddy? <laughs> why, why is it that you have any belief that the King James only is the preserved word of God? Yeah, I don't, you, I, he doesn't seem to have any, doesn't seem to hold any in this conversation. Prove to me, this is me talking, the Korean revised version isn't the infallible preserved word of God. I'm shifting the burden of proof to him. He needs to make some sort of non-special pleading reason why his version is better than my other arbitrary version. Prove to me that the phone book isn't the preserved word of God and not uh, the King James version. So give me some sort of falsifiable, non-special pleading reasons why your belief is true. Your, your belief, it seems to me, to be able to be rejected without any consideration whatsoever because I see no prima facie case why it should be true. I respond again, you are not making arguments. This is true. We looked at his uh, special pleading. We looked at uh, other things he's been doing. You are not engaging with the things I actually claimed in the video. So go watch, see why I believe what I believe. Engage with the things I've actually said. In place of that, there is questioning sources, some weird appeal to study more, zero actual arguments, emoting. <laughs> Apparently I'm so bad for not accepting the King James Bible. I swear I'm dealing with the Calvinist on biblical depiction of God. So it's, it does seem to me that I'm dealing with some sort of Calvinist, some sort of person in the same mindset where they really want their belief to be true, but they can't quite articulate why I'm wrong and why they are correct. And they have to go to special pleading, find verses, pull them out of context, make them mean things that don't seem don't seem natural from those texts and then that that's the basis of their belief the same thing that calvinists do same thing uh, king james onlyists do at least this one that i'm dealing with mr h says because james white is the only loser that has written anything against the king james bible only belief really really is that is that true it seems to be another wild claim and uh Obviously not true. I think Will Duffy, Will Duffy just had a King James only debate. Uh, not too, maybe like years ago, like three years ago, something like that on uh, Theology Online where they do their battle royales. And I think he went to England and did some original research on the King James Bibles, various pr printing typos throughout the different editions and different corrections that they've done. Uh, and so, like, one of the things he was asking, apparently, in his debate, which version is the correct version? I don't know if I read all the debate. I don't know if I've read any of the debate. But, but I've talked to Will Duffy on this. Since you know who James White is, because of his Calvinism, I am assuming with great confidence, confident, that you have read his book. Please tell us, Fisher, you have read James White's book, The King James Only God. Why would I spend money and my time reading this? Oh man, what, the phone book only controversy. I'm not going to read that book. Someone writes a book, why the phone book is not the preserved word of God. I'm skipping that book. I'm not reading that book. And uh, I'll spend that time doing something I value a little bit more. Right? Time is a limited, scarce resource. I'm not going to spend my time learning about things that I think are dumb. I, I think are dumb. I really do. And yes, 
It is an argument because if you believe what James White says about the King James Bible, then you should be held accountable to those beliefs. But that's this. That's not a reason for an argument. He's saying that if you believe these things, then you're accountable for those beliefs for the people who listen to you. All right. Uh, I hold those beliefs for a reason. You haven't actually addressed my claims and my evidence. And so an argument is not, oh, what you're teaching is going to lead people to hell. So I, Calvinists will do that all day to open theists. They'll say, what you're teaching will lead people to hell, lead people astray. Right, but I have reasons for my belief. If you want a logical, rational discussion, rather than just wild, unhinged, fanatic uh, raving, you're going to actually address my actual beliefs and my actual reasons for those beliefs and not just uh, these emotional appeals, emotional raving like a wild madman. Again, it's not an argument. He's not convincing anyone of anything that they don't already believe. He's not setting up a case for his belief or a case against mine. But you don't want to, do you? Tell me, Mr. Fisher, is it impossible for the all-powerful God of the Bible to have preserved his word perfectly in the King James Holy Bible? Okay, Korean Revised Version. Is it impossible for the all-powerful God to have preserved his word perfectly in the phone book? Well, yeah, I guess it's possible for the all-powerful God to have preserved his word in the phone book or the King James Bible or, uh, you know, the C-Spot Run book that we all read as a kid. I guess it's possible. Is it probable? Does it naturally conclude from some sort of obvious starting point. So we're entering the world of a fanatic where he thinks that just because something might be possible, apparently that leads to that thing being probable or, and even more than that, certain. So apparently in his mind, in the world that we live in, God must have some sort of perfectly preserved word in some form somewhere written in the Bible somewhere. I don't know. It's it's not an argument. He's not addressing my beliefs. He, he thinks in his mind, in his head, that I don't think it's possible for God to preserve his word perfectly. Uh, so he's, he's not even accurately representing my mindset, my actual views on the issue. His assumptions show that he's hallucinating. He can't deal with my actual beliefs. So he has to hallucinate that I believe something that uh, I never claimed and don't actually believe. That, that to God is incapable of perfectly preserving his word. God can do that. God could probably fill the whole world, uh, every single hotel room with uh, these Bibles, every single nursery room, he could probably add a Bible there. Does that make it true? Does our good intentions, what we think should be the world, this is the moralistic argument. He thinks that just because he could present a situation in, in his head, which he thinks is preferable to that situation not being true, that apparently that situation is true. It's Again, it's not an argument. It's emoting. It's uh, the moralistic argument. I say the only thing I've ever read of James White is parts of the Potter's Freedom book. I don't get how you think my video is anti-King James Version. You should articulate what I claim and describe how it's wrong. So I've specifically requested non-special pleading arguments for why his case is true. He's not presented that. Instead, he's presented very special pleading arguments. Let's let's take this his last claim here, his last question, his rhetorical question. Tell me, Mr. Fisher, is it impossible for the all-powerful God to have perfectly preserved his word in the Korean 
revised version. So you could just take any document you want and insert it there. And the claim would be as equally as compelling. Um, it's all special pleading. He, he wants his special thing to be the obvious conclusion of non-specific claims. He wants to be able to make these broad reaching claims and then point to his one solution to that claim as the one true solution to the claim rather than considering alternatives to that. He's not making a positive case for his view. Mr. H, when you say that you read the New King James and the ESV, you are reading false Bibles that teach false doctrine? Why does the ESV not have 1 John 5, 7? So apparently if a Bible doesn't have 1 John 5, 7, then apparently it's not only a false Bible, but it also teaches false doctrine. So deleting, deleting a verse from the Bible flips a Bible from teaching true doctrine to teaching false doctrine in his mindset. Is, is, that, is that a rational position or are we dealing with someone who uh, has rationally thought about these issues. What if one word from the Bible disappeared? Now, now that's a false Bible. Now that Bible's not true. We we should throw that Bible in the trash. It's not useful for anything. Not useful for any doctrine. It's it's missing that one word. So you're missing one verse, and apparently now that's that's a garbage Bible that's teaching false doctrine. Oof, oof. That's a crazy standard. That is a crazy standard. Notice his claim that I'm reading false Bibles that teach false doctrine. I could just counterclaim you are because, of course, the Korean revised version is the one true version. He's not presented any evidence to me that his King James belief is more rational or more self-evident than the Korean revised version only position. It's just not. It's, it's special pleading. It's emoting. A lot of inability to put himself in my shoes and accurately understand why I believe what I believe in order to be able to counter that to present me with a more rational alternative that I'm going to accept. He thinks that merely verbally bludgeoning me is going to convert me over. It's going to win me over to his position without any appeals to actual evidence, without any consideration of the data. It's all claims, oh, you are reading a false Bible. I'm supposed to be like, oh no, I'm reading a false Bible. Ah, 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 I never knew this. I never knew this. Thank you. You have enlightened me. It, they are all false because you say so. Oh, they don't have this one verse. Oh man. In, in the New Testament, where whereas I don't use the ESV for the New Testament generally, and so the ESV not having a certain verse in the New Testament is means the whole ESV is bad. Ah, it's like, oh, ah, ah. So I say, sure, the ESV uses the critical text is likely the reason off the top of my head. I, I don't even care about looking up this verse to sit, figure out what this verse is. It's not relevant to anything that I've said, I've discussed. It's not relevant to this conversation. It, there's there's no connection in my mind between the ESV not having this particular verse and the King James only position being a rational position. It's just not, there's there's no link there. There is in this guy's world. There There is a link in this guy's mindset that if this verse is missing from the ESV, obviously the ESV is false, and obviously the King James Version, which has this verse, is the true version. That's it's not self-evident to me. I say, I see no evidence presented by anyone that there is one true Bible. That seems to be a massive assumption. This is a massive assumption. It is a massive assumption. And so notice how he responds. The worst assumption is assuming we do not have God's word preserved in one book. 
Why is that a worse assumption? That seems like a good default position to have uh, that God's not for most of human history. Uh, how, how long has this world been been around 6,000 to 13,000 years? Uh, we've not had God's written word in one form each other. Most, most of human history, we have not had the Bibles we had today. And we've had a massive gap between the writing of the New Testament, the falling out of the Greek language, and the implementation of the King James in 1611, roughly 1611. There's different versions uh, that were published, whatever dates. Remember when Josiah found the missing text of the Bible because Israel had misplaced their holy document, the one copy that they had, uh, gone for a long period until they're cleaning the temple and they discover what is this? This is the Bible. This is the written word of God uh, that apparently, according to King James only verses, was supposed to be preserved. And what does that mean is maybe, maybe, maybe the one true Bible in existence is lost and it's in some tomb right now. It's, it's undercover and uh, we just have to rediscover that one text. This is the one true version of the Bible written with every single word preserved. We just don't have it right now because apparently you can do that in this worldview. You could be missing the one true version for centuries and uh, there still be one true version and then that meets all their definitions. So how about that? This unnamed text in some unnamed tomb is the one true preserva preservation of God's word. Uh, he's, he's not giving us a view that's falsifiable. He's not giving us a view that has any evidence to support it other than special pleading. There's a lot of emoting going on. And notice this appeal, appeal to consequence. So he thinks that just because some sort of belief might have some negative inference, which he thinks is negative, I don't know why, uh, that means apparently that my belief is false and his is true based on appeal to consequence. Not only that, but he disconsiders, he doesn't even consider alternative views such as maybe we do have that preserved one word. And, and guess what? That's the Korean revised edition. Everyone, you better start picking up Korean manuals and learn Korean because that is the one true version. I have seen nothing that he's presented to show why the Korean version is a false version of the Bible. He says, how many false Christian denominations are there? That sounds like doubt, not faith. Okay, I'd, what's your argument? What is your argument to convince me that now apparently the King James is true because there's a lot of denominations? And so that, that obviously, because there's a lot of denominations, that must mean the King James Version is true. And uh, saying that God didn't preserve his word is doubt, not faith? All right, so that's the end of conversation. But uh, notice why I pulled out this conversation in particular. Not all King James Onlyists are fanatics. Not all of them uh, have all these red flags for people who are wildly out of touch with reality, wildly in their own ideological bubble, and they can't think outside their ideological bubble. King James Onlyism is respectable for people to hold and i'm fine with you holding it but you're not going to be able to convince me by just 
wild, unhinged accusations. Again, let's talk about our various red flags we had. Number one, he doesn't address my claims. I have claims and I give evidence for my claims. He doesn't address my claims. He doesn't address the evidence for my claims. He doesn't even make a positive case for his own claims counter mine. He assumes his claims are true. He assumes by just stating his claims that I have some sort of reason to drop my claims and accept his claims. He he uh, misattributes my source. Wow, isn't that off-putting? So if he's trying to convince me that I'm wrong and wild accusations that I'm getting a source from James White, whereas in reality I know almost nothing about what James White says on the issue, uh, th think about how rhetorically off-putting that is for me converting to his position. He sounds like a wild fanatic. Uh, that's an ad hominem, by the way. That's another red flag. He's attacking people. He's not attacking ideas. He's not, he's not addressing evidence. He is not addressing claims. He's not even presenting a positive case for his own views. His appeal to study more. Oh, you're just ignorant. You just need to study more on the issue. Okay, right. Um, what did I say is wrong? What, what, where do you have evidence that anything I said is incorrect? Or uh, Where do you have any positive evidence that any of your claims are true. You you presented me nothing. He puts some YouTube links, but what's the chances that I'm going to click on those after this wildly unhinged interaction? Uh, probably not much, and I'm probably not going to do it. Last of all, another red flag is a moralistic fallacy, appeal to consequences. These are not rational arguments. These are fallacies. So a cascading list of fallacies, misattributions, uh, misunderstanding, not being able to accurately replicate my own views when speaking to me about my views, making points that don't have my views in consideration, how I would naturally react to that with all sorts of random and absurd assumptions about what my beliefs are. All of these are red flags for fanaticism. They're not going to be particularly convincing to anyone except for the people who already share your beliefs. And so if someone's stuck in your worldview bubble with you, they might uh, go along reading your arguments and say, oh, what a great argument. What a good point. Um, but it's not going to convince anyone that doesn't already agree with you because you're not actually making a case. You're not actually presenting arguments. It's, it's all emotion. It's all emoting, which can be pretty effective to those who are on your ideological wavelength, uh, but it's not effective towards people who don't share your values, don't share your concerns, don't share your presumptions, don't share your evidence. So if your goal is to convince someone of something, understand why it is they believe what they believe, understand what it is that they do believe, and then address those concerns directly rather than some sort of unhinged case for your own position. Uh, it's not going to be very effective. Anyways, the questions, comments, uh, hatred, put the hatred down below on the YouTube page. I love that. Or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Thank you for listening.